Hi everyone and welcome to Games Are Fun, the weekly video game podcast show where I, your host Luke, talk to you guys about video game news, stories, and highlights. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Games Are Fun. In this week's episode, I'm going to be talking to you guys about obviously the major news that happened this past week. Mark Cerny sat down with Wired and gave an exclusive interview about the next generation Sony console. Uh, Probably going to be dubbed the PlayStation 5, but we're going to talk about his interview, what he highlighted for the next gen console and kind of some of the features that are going to be long into that. It's it's more tech heavy than anything. Um, So I'm not going to be able to talk too much about the tech talk but I am going to kind of give my thoughts on what was said in the interview as well as share some of the things that I think are going to be kind of planned alongside some of the details that were released in this interview and then secondly on today's show I'm going to be talking about the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate 3.0 update it's a big update to the game it include the release of DLC fighter uh, Joker from Persona 5 of course previously announced Finally, he's finally out there playable for players. So I'm going to be going over that uh, update and everything that was included in it because that it, was, it wasn't just Joker added to the game. There were some other modes that were added that uh, the game just continues to get better with more content added. So we're going to be talking about that. And then lastly, I'm going to give you guys a review of... Uh, a little indie game called Katana Zero. It's available on Steam as well as the Nintendo Switch. And it actually, at the time of this recording, it should be playable for everyone uh, to play. So yeah, I'm going to be giving my review for that game, what I thought about it. And yeah, that's what the show looks like this week. But before we get into all that, I did want to mention, I apologize for the podcast being late this week. Of course, the podcast normally airs on Tuesdays, but Uh, I just had a really hectic weekend and that's normally when I obviously have the time to record the upcoming upcoming week's episode but I just I didn't have the time and then I I wasn't home I was actually traveling for work and then by the time I got home it just it was chaotic and I couldn't uh, I couldn't sit down and actually record an episode so uh, my apologies on that that's why the episode is a little bit later this week But I did also want to mention that next week is also going to be the same kind of situation because things got pushed back this week. Um, And with the beginning of next week also being quite busy, next week's episode is probably going to come out around Friday next week as well, probably around April 26th. Uh, I hope to get it to you guys before that, so uh, just obviously subscribe to the show, set those alerts, whatever your service you're using to listen to the show on, so that you make sure that you can uh, listen to the episode as soon as it's available. Obviously, you can head over to my social media accounts, uh, Instagram at Games Are Fun Podcast, head over to my Twitter at Games Are Fun Pod, or just search for Games Are Fun Podcast podcast over on Facebook. I post all the updates uh, over on those social media platforms. So if you're ever wondering what's going on with the show, why there isn't an episode out yet, uh, I usually make announcements over there, just kind of explaining, giving you guys the heads up if something's going to be late or delayed or anything like that. So 
Um, yeah, just a reminder, please, please, if you could take the time to subscribe to the show if you enjoy it. Uh, if this is your first time to the show, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I hope you enjoy yourself. Uh, if you do find that you enjoy the show and would love to listen to more, subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're listening to it on. And also, if you're listening to it on platforms like iTunes, leave a review. Uh, those reviews go a really long way. They help grow the show. They motivate me to come back each and every week to give you guys the best content that I can provide. So with that being said, with all the housekeeping, let's get into the new story. The first one is the big one. Let's talk about Sony's next generation console. So as mentioned, Mark Cerny sat down with an exclusive interview with Wired to basically make an official announcement of Sony's next generation console. A little bit abnormal. Uh, Normally when we have an announcement for the new console that was coming, it's usually done in terms of a press conference where lots of people are there. Um, Sometimes these are saved for events at GDC or at E3, or you know, um, sometimes they will hold their own uh, their own events to announce the, these type of things, but generally they're made into a super big deal. That was not the case for Sony's next console. Uh, the first details that we actually, the official details we get are through this interview with Wired, which is a very interesting choice. I have a lot of thoughts around the decision that Sony made to go with uh, an interview, but I'm going to save that for after I talk about everything that was discussed in this interview. So, uh, please go over to wired.com and check out that article. It really does a a better job at explaining all the details, but I'm just going to kind of summarize everything through an article from Eurogamer by Chris Tapsell and Matthew Reynolds. Uh, They kind of break everything down into chunks. and It's much more easy to kind of manage the highlights from that interview rather than reading the whole article and then talking about it. It is a very long read. So uh, let's, let's talk about it. So, uh yeah Eurogamer the PS5 which we assume to be the name of the upcoming next-gen PlayStation has finally surfaced or at least the first details of it have thanks to a Mark Cerny interview in Wired we now know some of the basics of the PS5 specs and tech details and we've have a decent idea of where the PS5 release date will land once it's fully announced. Here's what we know and don't know yet about the PS5. So PS5 specs including SSD, ray tracing, and more on how powerful the PS5 will be. Let's dive straight into the hard numbers. Here's what we know about PS5's tech after the initial PS5 reveal. So here are the specs. So the CPU, um, again, the <laughs> Be warned, this is going to be a lot of tech talk, a lot of numbers and letters uh, in what I'm about to say. Um, I don't know what any of this means personally, but maybe someone out there listening does and wants to know kind of what what's going on there. So CPU, the PS5 CPU will be an AMD chip based on Ryzen, uh, eight time cores, seven NM Zen two. Again, whatever that means. GPU and ray tracing. The PS5 GPU will be a custom AMD Navi GPU that supports ray tracing. Um, Digital Foundry, uh, this article through 
Eurogamer cites Digital Foundry if you're looking at more information on ray tracing. Uh, audio, the PS5 will have 3D audio that Mark Cerny believes will be dramatically different to PS4 audio. Storage, the PS5 will have a solid state drive which uses the new PCIe 4.0 connection. Cerny gave the example. So this is actually something I did want to spin off and kind of talk about a little bit. So he put a lot of emphasis into having a solid state drive into the next generation console and basically the power of these solid state drives will grant games to basically greatly reduce the the time it takes for for loading so he presented an example where basically in the room they had a playstation 4 pro i'm assuming and then they also had a secret uh development kit that was kind of obviously obscured nothing fancy to it um and Basically, they put on Spider Insomniac Spider-Man for PS4 and a fast travel on the PS4 took about 15 seconds of a loading screen to finally make that fast travel work. And then on the dev kit, it took 0.8 second load time. So that's pretty, pretty exceptional. But, um, you know, it's one of those things I was listening to a GameScoop uh, IGM podcast where the guys were talking about how it's impressive but these kinds of things just eventually you know as tech moves so fast like i i even think about my xbox 360 and at the end of that generation it was slow and sluggish and was a pain to boot up games like grand theft auto 5 right it was just chugging along well we're now at that point with these consoles like for me to install games it takes a long time even the you know Mind you, I am using a base Xbox One. I'm not using an Xbox One X, which probably improves certain things um, to a certain degree. But it takes. They're slow. They're sluggish. And that that there there's a point that was made on GameScoop that on PS. This is a PS4 game designed for a PS4. So obviously, if you have next gen hardware, it's going to perform a lot better on that. but once this stuff is available, people are going to start making their games bigger and better. And then we're just going to, the cycle continues, right? It's it's nothing new in the tech world. Um, one other point around specs, resolution support. The PS5 will have up to 8K support, presumably including 4K. All confirmed PS5 details, including PS5 backwards compatibility. Let's look at some of the softer features of the PS5 that we know so far, again, thanks to Wire. PS5 features backwards compatibility and physical versus digital. So the PS5 will support backwards compatibility with seemingly all PS4 games as it's based in part on the PS4's architecture. And that's a quote from Mark Cerny. The PS5 won't be digital only. Physical media such as the current form of discs will still be supported. Some games will likely release on both PS4 and PS5 at first. Wired speculate on Death Stranding being one example based on Cerny's notably pregnant paused when asked the ps5 will have some form of cloud functionality we are cloud gaming pioneers cerny told wire our vision should become clear as we head toward launch ps5 psvr support has been confirmed with the current headset at least um PS5 release date expectations, when will the PS5 launch and be fully announced? There's still no word on the full PS5 release date or even official confirmation that PlayStation 5 will actually be what it's called, but Cerny did at least narrow it down. According to Wired, the next PlayStation console won't be landing in stores anytime 
in 2019, although studios have reportedly been working on it for some time. That suggests a PS5 release date of 2020 unless they decide to lid the lift especially early. What we don't know about the PS5 so far, despite what PS5 leaks and PS5 rumors tell us. Uh, so PS5 controller details are still unknown. Um, recent PS5 leaks suggest it will have a touchscreen, as seen in the embedded tweet below. It's basically a weird looking controller with some sort of small touchscreen replacing the, the touchpad that's on PS4 controllers. Um, PS5 price, basically it, people are kind of speculating that it's gonna be around $500, um, but that hasn't been confirmed yet. PS5 backwards compatibility with PS1, PS2, or PS3 is unlikely. Since the PS4 doesn't have these, chances are the PS5 won't either. And then as mentioned earlier, the PS5 is going to be based on the PS4's architecture, so they're, they're building this with backwards compatibility in mind. Um, it's gonna be, it would be much more difficult to make those things happen. Obviously Xbox has figured it out, but I think the way the PlayStation ecosystem is is made up of, especially the, um, the PlayStation network and the online infrastructure there is much more difficult to, to be compatible with new, new hardware and software. The PS5 name. Because despite everyone calling it the PlayStation 5, Sony has yet to officially call it, but Sony would be foolish not to, right? Um, are there any confirmed PS5 games yet? Uh, so Death Stranding is still a PS4 game, but the Wired article that revealed an interesting line, when asked, a spokesperson in the room repeated that the game would be released for PS4, but Cerny's smile and pregnant pause invite speculation that it will be in fact a two-platform release. Uh, Starfield, that's Bethesda's space-based role-playing adventure, is still a few years off and is a next-gen game, putting it in a line as a PS5 game. It could, of course, be cross-gen with PS4 too. Uh, Elder Scrolls 6 is even further away from that, that this is almost certainly bound for PS5 than PS4. Um, Cyberpunk 2077 is entirely possible as a current generation game, but there's a chance it could be released on PS5 and whatever the next Xbox is as well. And then obviously we're going to have all our yearly franchises, probably like Call of Duty, all our sports games, um, that kind of stuff. And then that's basically the article. So let's kind of pull this apart now. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was how Sony decided to, to release these details. So First, I the re, number one reason why I think that they decided to go with a small interview format with Wired to kind of talk about these details is obviously there was a lot of tech talk in the interview, talking about the technical capabilities of this next-gen uh, piece of hardware. And when, to the average gamer like myself, uh, they're, they're not going to know what, it's, it's essentially in a different language, right? I kind of understand the general concepts of, you know, talking about specifics when it comes to how the hardware works and everything, but when you go into very specific details and um, names, I'm, I'm not going to be familiar with everything. And so to go up on a stage at E3 or even at GDC, um, you're not going to get that big hype moment that you're looking for. So I think it was smart for them to kind of take the time in a more relaxed environment and more intimate environment to share those details with um, the press that way, right? 
because if, like I said, if they went on stage and just spent 10 minutes talking about that, that's not going to get anyone excited. What fans want to see is they want to see the logo. They want to see the reveal. They want to see what the hardware or uh, looks like and what the controller looks like. Uh, they want to see gameplay of it working in action. And if Sony's not ready to present that yet, it wouldn't have made sense for them to to you know present that you know i think they're going to save that for an official reveal when they when they have the name and the logo and everything like that and then they they've got the tech talk out of the way it's already been released it's all scattered all over the internet everyone kind of knows in the gaming industry on what's going on with it and then they can really focus on um you know, fan service and stuff like that. So that's that's why I think they did what they did, and I'm glad they did what they did. It gave a lot of, you know, gaming news sites and journalists to kind of pull apart this article and dissect it and, you know, create more speculation on certain things, which is really cool. So um, now a couple points. I'm glad that they're doing backwards compatibility. I think last generation... Um, they kind of didn't think, and I, they being Microsoft and Sony, didn't think backwards compatibility was a big deal. Obviously, Microsoft decided to to tap into that and brought backwards compatibility a couple years after launch, and it's been successful. Sure, it's not a feature that's going to sell consoles, but it definitely is a, a nice feature that is could push games, right? I'm sure I'm sure there are statistics out there somewhere from the Xbox Game Store that shows how you know how much money are are made through Xbox 360 backwards compatible games that are purchased through the Microsoft Store on a on a Xbox One console. Um, I myself love that feature when it came as when they can they continuously add games each and every month and some of those games even pop up on Game Pass. So it's like you know, there's tons of games from last generation that I never got to experience. And, you know, when they pop up on Games Pass specifically, that's just a great opportunity to finally get a chance to experience those games, especially if it's one that I always have my eye on. So I'm glad that they're doing that, especially with some of these bigger games possibly going to be cross-platform. So they talked about Death Stranding. That game, we, we've only seen, you know, some short uh trailers cinematic trailers without any real gameplay showing hud that kind of stuff some of the mechanics in the game and that game was announced a while ago we're expecting to hopefully see something soon but i mean don't hold your breath it's probably going to still be at least a year to two years out is my kind of guess around that and so if the PS5 does launch next year. It makes sense that, you know, it's it's just like the same case of The Last of Us, right? The Last of Us originally released on the PlayStation 3 and then was remastered, um, basically up and ported over to the PlayStation 4. I think the same thing will happen. I would not be surprised if Hideo Kojima has uh, his, his dev kit for PS5 and I think it's going to launch on both consoles. Now, the question around that is, does it come out on PS4 um, at the end of, say, 2019 or the beginning of 2020, and then um, also launch as a console console launch game 
when the PS5 comes out as well, you know, or do they delay it and release it day one PS5 as well as that same day make it available to owners of PS4? You know, it's really hard to say. Um, I think the first one will probably be more likely because I think the game is probably far along enough that they are getting closer to a release date and that I think is closer than when we see the PS5 actually making its way onto shelves where people can buy it and play the game. So it makes sense for them to get it in, in the hands of gamers, sell a bunch of copies, and then sell even more copies when people are picking up the PS5, right? Because there's going to be people there coming in not having owned a PS4, uh, maybe were owned Xbox consoles, or maybe hadn't owned any consoles at all, and this is their first jump into gaming, and they're gonna want that new game to go along with it. So I think they could prob probably increase their sales by doing that strategy, and I think the same thing applies for the other Sony first per party titles like Ghost of uh, Tsushima, as well as The Last of Us Part Two. Um, I think it was yesterday Neil Druckmann the director of Last of Us Part 2 actually tweeted out that they filmed the final scene to The Last of Us Part 2 and if they're just filming the mocap and everything for the final scene of The Last of Us Part 2 that still tells us that there's still a lot of development that needs to be put into that game until it's finally gone gold and ready ready to hit the shelves and so I, I expect, yeah, similar things for for those titles as well. Um, so I'm really excited. I think uh, PS5 is a, a, the name to be expected as mentioned, but I think it would honestly be cool if they, they branched off from the, the PlayStation name and started something new, which kind of leads me into my next point of this conversation, which is talking about the next generation and what it looks like for the other companies. So uh, a couple episodes ago, um, Adam Beagle from levelgrindentertainment.com. Um, if you haven't checked out that website, please go and do so. Uh, he was on the show and we had a long discussion about the next generation, specifically Google Stadia, as well as Xbox and their uh, plans on getting into the streaming video game platform. And it will be really interesting to see how what Google Stadia looks like at launch and how PS5 is going to to sell their console, right? Um, we, we talked a lot about on that show about price point and how obviously Google Stadia hasn't released details of how much the service is gonna cost and everything like that, but you kind of assume it's gonna be a subscription-based type service that you can kind of subscribe at a monthly rate and get access to a bunch of different games. Um, or at the very least, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of good. Actually, yeah, that's that's what I kind of think is going to happen. Um, so does that, are more people attracted to that kind of concept as opposed to going out to a store and buying a piece of hardware for $500 that in three or four years is going to need to be upgraded again? You know, it, it's, it's, hard, it's a hard sell, I think, to the audience. Like the generation is going through a big shift right now and it might be difficult for Sony. So I think if they come up with some new branding concept, maybe naming this next generation console something new, it, it might uh, it might just work enough to, to get people on board. Um, but who knows? I there, It's probably a safer bet just to stick with PlayStation 5, stick to what's worked for the last 20 years. But who knows? I'd like to see something else. It'd be kind of neat. But 
Um, yeah, we're, we're getting closer and closer to E3. Sony's not going to be at E3, but we can expect more and more details to, to rise up, especially when Microsoft and Google both release more and more details of what next generation is going to look like to them. We can kind of expect Sony um, to respond with their own and basically provide more details so it's really exciting i can't wait to learn more about this console i'm excited for it um sony knocked out of the park with the ps4 i do hope the best for them and i hope that they can do the same thing next generation but only time will tell now moving on to the next story for the day that is the smash update 3.0 so this was actually quite exciting i uh, set my alerts to have a notification when uh, Nintendo's YouTube channel releases new videos um, because, as you know, sometimes the mystery uh, spontaneous Nintendo Direct can sometimes pop up there. Some They've been known to put in some announcements through that and that's exactly what happened a couple nights ago. I was sitting at home, it was around 7 p.m. my time and I got a notification and I saw exactly what it was and it was that Super Smash Brothers Ultimate version 3.0 and it showed Joker's face. I'm like, sweet, we're getting a, a release date for that. So uh, Ryan Craddock over at NintendoLife.com has all the details for us. So as you'll no doubt be aware by now, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate has now been updated to version 3.0. If you manage to update your game despite Nintendo's servers, buckling under the pressure, things should be fine now, you'll notice a few new additions. You probably already know about Stage Builder coming back and Joker arriving as DLC, but here are the full patch notes provided by Nintendo just in case you want to examine the changes in excruciating detail. Um, so here is the update. So offline, Stage Builder added to games and more. You can now draw your own custom stages by hand. Um, Basically, yeah, Stage Builder was something that was uh, in Brawl as well as uh, Smash Brothers for Wii U, the last Smash Brothers title. And yeah, it basically grants you the opportunity to create your own custom levels. Uh, what's cool with the... It was probably like this with the Wii U. I'm not 100% sure on this, but the Nintendo Switch obviously has a touchpad on it. You can use the touchscreen to draw your stages to help create certain things. Um, it's live now. You can go ahead and go jump into that. There's already a whole bunch of really awesome stage, uh, custom stages built and in the community, and you can actually go and download those and try for yourself, which goes into the next thing. Uh, there's video features where you can replay certain matches you can edit those videos and upload them and share them um, through the app and if it's on a there there's certain cool things like if you went on the share function and looked at some trending videos or the top videos uh, it, will, it will show what map it's on some of the details around that specific video and if it's a custom made level you can go on there download uh, a specific stage that somebody created which is really cool it's a great way of basically compiling user-created content and making it available for everyone else to check out. Um, the following spirits will appear in the vault shop. So obviously with the, the DLC of Joker from Persona 5 coming to the game, finally you can pick him up for download either by buying him, I think it's $5.99 or something like that. And uh, 
you can do that or you can just go ahead and get the DLC fighter pass which gives you access to Joker as well as all the upcoming DLC fighters that are going to be added to the game in the future and I believe that's like $35 so you're actually saving a little bit of money if you buy the DLC fighter pass but if all you want is Joker I mean he's available for $5.99 so with Joker comes uh, some Persona base uh persona based level as well as some spirits you have morgana um and then a whole bunch of other characters that i'm not going to read out because i can't pronounce uh japanese names very well and so yeah that's great that it's not just as expected it's not just more than Pers uh, joker from persona 5 there's all those other features uh just like all the other ips in the game you got all the soundtracks from persona 5 as well as some of the other persona games the stage is really cool it's uh based on the the art style from the persona games there's even little things like uh in persona 5 if you're familiar when you finish a battle it kind of goes over um the xp that was it was gained during that battle and there's a little kind of a a, a video sequence or whatever you want to call it, an animation and that was actually brought in as the victory pose f for if you are playing as joker and win the match as first player or whatever uh it's little details like that that really make this game such an awesome game that includes so many different ips from different franchises so i'm glad to see that they continue that and i'm really excited to see what else they add um what else do we got online? You can now share replays, which I mentioned. Um, and uh, they you, you can use Nintendo's crappy online app to use voice chat and stuff like that. Um, they added some Mii Fighter character costumes, and those can be purchased for 75 cents each. A lot of them are from Persona, but there's also like Tails and Knuckles from Sonic, surprisingly enough. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. That's, that's pretty well that I'm, I'm, I was going to read out all, all the, the patch notes here that Nintendo provided. But like I said, there's a lot of details in here that are kind of excessive. I'm just giving you guys the meat and potatoes on everything. So pretty exciting stuff. Um, very excited to actually get in there and try it for myself. I've been, like I said, I've been so busy that I haven't been able to have the spare time to go and play a lot of video games. So once I have a couple flights coming up, so I, I might take my flight time to devote it to playing Super Smash Brothers. But I'm also maybe thinking about picking up a new Nintendo Switch game to play that as well. I don't know. But uh, I'm interested in knowing what you guys think so far of this update if you're a Smash fan. Um, so please write in to me and give me, give me some some of your thoughts on super smash brothers and joker and what you think of his his abilities and stuff like that so far uh so yeah email me at the email address games are fun podcast at gmail.com now moving on to the last and final segment of the show and that is talking about katana zero so first thing i wanted to mention is full disclosure uh as mentioned on this show before i write articles and do game reviews for a website gaminghistoria.com if you haven't checked out that website yet please go over there and uh, read some of the articles and support support the website there devolver digital the publisher behind katana zero provided a review code for the nintendo switch to gaming historia and i was assigned to review it so just wanted to um, you know, give disclosure on that before I talked about the game. 
If you want to know all my thoughts about the game and get my full review, please go over to GamingHistoria.com. By the time this episode is up, the review should be posted and you can read it on there. And then obviously I'll, I'll have links on my social media website and I'll also put it the link once it is up um, in the, the show notes for this show as well. So you can kind of look for it in there. But let's talk about Katana Zero. So Katana Zero is a neo-noir 2D action platformer. You are a assassin that wields a katana. Basically, you are responsible for taking out targets that have been assigned to you. You are not just any regular assassin, though you are actually on this drug called Kronos, which makes you this um, next level assassin, I guess. Kronos basically gives you the ability to see the future, so to speak. Um, You can kind of see events happen before they happen. And that kind of actually comes into the gameplay. So basically, you kind of work through a variety of stages. Uh, the stages are really cool, very, very sweet. Uh, they can kind of range from anything like a nightclub with people dancing and everything to a prison to um, a movie set uh, that has like a full sequence minecart Um level to it which is really cool but basically there's different stages you go in them and you have to take out uh enemies to advance to the your final target that you're supposed to kill and within each stage there's different kind of checkpoint areas you have to kill all the enemies within that checkpoint before you can move on to the next area so um yeah, basically you use your katana to kill these enemies, one hit, one kill. And that goes for both you as well as your enemies. So you can kill your enemies with one hit, but your enemies can also kill you with one hit. So you have to kind of basically strategize and come up with the best plan of attack when you go into each stage, figure out what's the best approach to kill this enemy and so on and so forth. Some enemies are really tricky because they have projectiles like guns, Um, And they're firing things at you. And obviously bullets fly a lot faster than it takes you to walk up to somebody or run up to somebody and slice them. Um, Although you're this crazy badass samurai assassin uh, and you do have some abilities that help you with that, you, you know it can be tricky so chronos actually gives you the the gameplay mechanic of being able to slow down time so you can slow down time and do things like ricochet bullets with your sword and bounce them back to hit the person who shot them or you can uh roll to dodge bullets and uh roll past enemies and slice them from behind and that kind of stuff there's also some throwables so if there is uh, a certain you can see an enemy behind a door that has a gun you can quickly open the door and toss whatever throwable if you picked one up to quickly kill them um, so it's really really cool and, and then also not, it's not just the enemies some levels have things like uh, lasers that are spanning from uh, the ceiling to the floor and so you need to kind of avoid those uh, sometimes there's turrets sometimes there's hydraulic doors um, as well as like presses that could come down and squish you and kill you instantly Um, but if you die in a checkpointed area basically the game rewinds like a vhs tape so you each kind of level plays out like you are um, imagining your your attack plan your your process of eliminating each enemy and if you're successful in doing that then um 
your character kind of is like, oh yeah, that will work. And then it kind of acts it out. So it'll play it back um, as it actually happened or whatever. So that that's kind of a cool thing that I really, a cool detail that I liked about the game, right? They could have easily just died, respawn, but they, they added this art style of kind of including this the style of VHS players and sorry, VCRs is what they're called. VCRs as well as VHS tapes. And it's a, it's a really neat art style. That's really incorporated to so many levels of the game. Uh, you can pause the game at any moment and it gives you this menu. Like you're looking at a VCR with, uh, you know, the play stop pause functions and stuff like that blue screen. Right. Um, it's, it's really, really neat that they decided to, add kind of an original style to the game and incorporate it into some of the mechanics. Um, really, really neat, really appreciated that detail. So uh, it can be tricky though, because it is one hit, one kill. Some enemies are really challenging, especially when you get to those later stages where there's just a ton of enemies that you need to take out. Um, there'll be times where you enter certain rooms and they'll all see you at once. So you'll have like a bunch of guys firing guns and bullets at you. There's guys running up with you with swords and that kind of stuff. So you really have to figure out the best way to take out all of them. Um, and sometimes, you know, you'll die uh, time and time again. But each time you die, I didn't really find it it made me angry or anything. It actually made me more motivated to kind of pause a little bit, come up with maybe a new strategy on how to take out these enemies, right? Um, especially in the later levels where you kind of get different levels um, to each stage, right? And in terms of like, you could go high, you could go through the middle or you could go low. And so there's different kind of routes you could take on which path you kind of start with. And that can kind of help you in your technique on the best approach on clearing that particular stage. And so really enjoyed that. Um, the, the one thing I did want to mention is kind of talk about the story. So I don't want to give away any spoilers because I think this is something, a game that you kind of need to experience for yourself. And um, I was reading some kind of other comments after I had posted my review on what other people thought about the game. Um, of course, the key thing being after I wrote my review, because I didn't want anyone else's opinions, of course, to um, persuade me into writing something in my own review. But I did want to see what other people thought of the game. And one person mentioned that they actually really enjoyed to the story to the point that they actually got excited when there was cutscenes and stuff like that. Um, for me, the combat was the star. That's what was the focus of the game. That's what I enjoyed the most. Um, but the story was really, really strong. It's, uh, it's really cool because when you're interacting with uh, the characters in the game, you actually have dialogue choices that you can choose from. And it, it was the dialogue system is really cool because you can actually interrupt when somebody is speaking and interject with you know, and one of the dialogue options, right? You can kind of interrupt them as they're speaking. And it's funny because the NPCs actually um, take note of the fact that you're interrupting them. Early on in the game, like within the first level, there is uh, somebody calling you, you answer your phone and the option comes up to hang up and you can just continuously hang up and the NPC will be like, why are you hanging up on me? Stop hanging up on me. And obviously that wouldn't happen for somebody who wouldn't hang up and just responds accordingly to, uh, the dialogue, right? So that that's really cool. Some of those, it's not 
just random pieces of dialogue that don't really have any effect there's actually a response to some of your choices and it can kind of change it doesn't necessarily change the path of how the game unfolds but it doesn't change those small things like how a character talks to you which is really really sweet the game is has an awesome soundtrack. I absolutely loved it. It's really cool because when you go into each stage, this little thing pops up in the corner where it says now playing and it shows the artist as well as the song name. And it's really awesome electronic synth music that pairs really nicely with the combat and the gameplay of slashing up your enemies and stuff. It's very fast paced. If you are a fan of Hotline Miami, you're gonna feel right at home. It's very similar, has very similar mechanics and gameplay aspects to it. Um, but it's it's a really solid game and um, it's available on Nintendo Switch as well as the PC. It is really cheap. Um, I think US dollars it is fourteen ninety nine for for both platforms, which I think brings it to like twenty bucks Canadian, but or like seventeen eighteen dollars or something like that. So please please, if you own a Switch or have a PC, please get this game. It's incredible. Um, I gave it a 9.5 out of 10, I want to say. Um, yep, no, that is what it is, a 9.5 out of 10. It is definitely a contender for me of game of the year. Um, yeah, I really want to, to talk about this game a little bit more, maybe off the podcast. So as mentioned earlier, email me if you play this game, games are fun, podcast at gmail.com, uh, or hit me up on, on Messenger, uh, on Facebook, or you know, message me, DM me on Twitter or Instagram and just talk. I'd love to talk about this game. Obviously, I've had to sit in anticipation to see what other people thought about it since I, I already beat it and played it a week ago. Um, so, yeah, I really want people to experience this game and have this experience. Um, the only thing, my only criticism to all of it was the story is slightly convoluted. It's a little complex. For me, I actually enjoyed that process of trying to figure out what is going on what does this all mean even when the ending came i still basically sat and and sat with my thoughts and came up with theories on what certain things meant and what what i thought about certain things that weren't fully explained and some people might have a a more difficult time grasping that kind kind of video game so i understand that that part of it won't be for everybody but that being said the combat is just senseless fun that i think anyone would enjoy so uh yeah pick up that game um because it is totally worth it and from my understanding it was developed by one person did majority of the development obviously he got other people to come on board to do things like sound and and stuff like that but the game is developed by one person and so yeah yeah incredible talent to create such a a a awesome game that basically is a complete package it everything complements um each other really really well the soundtrack the the combat the story everything kind of works in unison and it's a really well developed game so please check out katana zero um yeah and i'll leave it at that uh that was the show this week thank you so much you guys for listening to me uh talk about all all the big stories from this week as mentioned at the top of the show next week's episode is going to be delayed it will be uh for friday instead of the regular regularly scheduled tuesday release date um but we will talk to you guys next week uh on next week's episode so have a great week and we'll talk to you soon see you later